Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Another edition of Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Yes, this nasally voice that you hear is not Ross Peterson. It is Trent Condon in for Ross, who is vacationing and Boy, looking from the pictures, he is enjoying his fishing trip up there. Brought his son, Eli, and a big fish. Chad Lysico, are you a fisherman? Not my thing, but uh, my wife is actually really into it, and our kids are getting into it, too. So I guess at some point, maybe I will be, Uh although I've offered to just sort of maybe scale and cook the fish. (laughs) Okay, all right. My contribution. uh, Drive the boat, maybe? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You can handle that part of it. Well, Mr. Minnesota, Mark Emmerich, you have to be a fisherman. I I believe... That is one of the first things you're handed after you come out of the womb in Minnesota, right, as a fishing pole? Yeah, I spent many a weekend on the lakes up there with my family, and uh, always enjoyed it. I got back up there once this summer even uh, for one final fishing trip with uh, my dad and brother. So it's a great way to relax. It is. Uh, I like to relax different ways. and Well, part of the ways that I like to relax and take my mind off things is by gambling. We'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later. Huh. we got lots of football talk. we got a little gambling talk to go get into today. We even have some basketball on Hawk Central as a couple of dejected fans here in the studio today. Chad, he's a Cubs fan. I'm a Twins fan. Mark, a Minnesotan. Are you a Twins fan as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was rough. Not a fun two days for the Twins as uh, they no. go over with runners in scoring position and drop uh, their two-game set Jeez. here to the Astros. 18 consecutive playoff losses. You think you got a bad, Chad? Uh, you, you got nothing compared to us. Wow. 18? Is that right? 18 consecutive <laughs> playoff unbelievable. losses. Unbelievable. Something, I'm so sorry. It's it's unthinkable, but uh, that's the life that we lead as uh, Minnesota sports fans. Mark, let's uh, start with you as we get ready for football. Today, practice began officially back in pads. This lead-up period, 24 days to get ready for the season. Yeah, reading some of the stories on the Pac-12, they haven't had the same kind of, at least, workouts, team together that we've seen in the Big Ten. This ramp-up period, 24 days it's going to be difficult, no doubt. Do you believe Iowa is better equipped than their Big Ten brethren, or maybe in worse shape here with this short lead-up period? That's a great question. I mean, it seems like they're in better shape because they haven't really had any uh, COVID stops since, uh, what was that, about a month ago or so? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's boding well for them. They've only had, as far as I know, one guy opt out. Uh, that's boding well for them. They they do have a, a thick of rather young team, but a very veteran coaching staff, so... Uh, I think uh, they're probably in better shape for that reason, mainly because of uh, how long these coaches have been around. They'll get them ready. How about you, Chad? They a developmental program, right? Right. Maybe takes more time than the teams even on the same plane. Ohio State's in their own category, but when you're talking about the Minnesotas of the world, you're talking about Wisconsin, Northwestern, Nebraska programs like that. Iowa behind the eight ball a little bit here, or a step forward? Yeah, that's a. It's an interesting conversation. I mean, I think Iowa missed so much time, especially with um, Ferentz sending the guys home uh, for two weeks. You know, before after, when the Big Ten canceled the season, so they and then they had the outbreak. So they essentially missed almost a month there. So they're kind of making up for lost time. But you can see uh, the fact that they've been practicing almost every day now for two weeks um, and got back in the pads today, like you mentioned. Uh, they're. I think they're trying to make up for lost time on the field. Um, which is where, you know, they they need to work on those, uh, you know, fundamentals, the timing on the offensive line, you know, being in lockstep together. That's the kind of stuff you can't teach in a classroom. So 
Uh, it's good to see that they are on the field. It seems like they've they've got a, uh, a full complement of players. The COVID testing the last two weeks has been very, very low across all Iowa athletics and daily testing uh, did start today. So, so I think that I think that we're on a good track here to have a football season. Well, and I think we've seen with the NFL and the success they had in their month leading up to the season, and what this contract tracing—not even needing the contract tracing—just because you're very quickly able to get these test results, find out, and then isolate, and you don't have to go back and do that kind of quarantine that happens to the people that were around them. And, and it's big to keep that number. When the Big Ten first came out with their parameters, and we see that five percent positivity rate for a team, Mark, I saw that number and thought. We might be lucky to play half the games, but reading a little bit more, going a little bit deeper into it and understanding kind of more the ins and outs of this, that 5% number, because of the testing that they're going to have, maybe isn't the, the big mountain that it appeared on the surface. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a rolling average, right, for the first mm-hmm. seven days. I mean, I think the, the really the only concern probably is a certain position group just gets hit hard uh, on one team, and we saw that, I guess, with the Kansas State that had it. A bunch of those, um, and you know, you can see it. I, I, I mean, if they were to lose, you know, two of their quarterbacks, for example, uh, that could be a real competitive disadvantage. But I, I agree with you. I think they'll stay above that, below that five percent threshold. Is just a question of if anybody gets it. How, how key are they to Iowa's uh, chances for success on Saturday, and uh, and or any team really for that matter? So that's probably going to be the bigger issue to me than actually having to cancel a game. Maybe there'll be some games that just aren't as competitive as they would have been otherwise because of, uh, you know, of that. So you brought up something as you're talking about, Chad, getting ready for the season, how it impacts Iowa positively or negatively, and uh, you're talking about the offense and the continuity with the offensive line, just the importance of that with Iowa's zone blocking scheme. It's not just about opening up a hole and that's what you run through. It's about having your timing down. Would you anticipate because of that, maybe even just early on this season, of course, no spring practice going all the way back to well, when we got this thing started back, when we normally be talking about football in March and April, getting ready for a season, we will see Iowa go more to a gap-blocking scheme. Zone's still going to be part of the offense. They're not going to take it away. But say they ran it a year ago. I know they ran it more. I don't know if you have the numbers offhand, but say it was 15% of the time. Maybe that number doubles this year, and 30% of the time it's not a zone scheme. It's a gap scheme. Is that something that's plausible in your mind? Yeah, I think so. And I also think uh, I think Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, would be wise to – uh, you know, see what worked last year in in the running game late in the season. Reverses uh, the jet sweeps to Amir, yeah. Amir Smith Marset. Tyrone Tracy Jr. scored a touchdown in the bowl game. Uh, I think they've just got a lot of a lot of different ways they can run the ball, creative ways they can run the ball. Um, I think you um, you know as uh, you and I as Bears fans, I mean, uh, you know, we see Matt Nagy, for example, use. Uh, all his guys in different ways, different lots of different guys get carries in a game. I think that's something Iowa um, uh, could do while also keeping Tyler Goodson as kind of that number one back, kind of like David Montgomery is with the Bears. So um, I, I think that a variety is, is going to be the key going forward. Um, but I do expect uh, the basis of your question there is uh, – you're going to have to compensate for not having all that practice time. Mm. So you got to you got to simplify it, especially with a first-year quarterback. Uh, another big piece there, obviously, of what this offense is going to look like is what Sp- Spencer Petras is going to be. So we're at the time of year, as you guys are not allowed access, even in a normal year when we don't have a global pandemic happening. It's not like you guys are invited in. Hey, Mark, you're over there in Iowa City. Come on in. Just watch. Don't take any video. Oh, it'd be so nice if we got that. Alas, we do not. So what do we do? We go to HawkeyeSports.com, and we see what Mr. Ray and company put up with their pictures. 
All right, Mark, uh, what, what do you got for us? What have you been able to take away from this still photography? <laughs> uh, well, the, the running joke over here is they all look fast. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it funny. Uh, Hawkeye, I've never seen this in any other fan base where they really, really kind of pour over those practice pictures and get really excited about them. But, uh, I mean, we've seen um, I mean, different combinations. Obviously, we're going to have to break in a new linebacker. I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, so we've seen, I think we've seen Jack Campbell out there running with the ones a little bit, have we not? Um, Looks like I it. I think uh, Chad pointed out we might have seen uh, Dane Belton on a, uh, a blitz in the cast position in a photograph that came out today, right? Um, Maybe. But I, I mean, I, <laughs> I never, uh, I never really try to draw a lot of conclusions from those pictures. They're obviously showing us what they want us to see. That's true. And uh, I, I mean, we would all rather just see the actual team. And you know, this year we didn't have. There's no, you know, kids' day scrimmage. There's no. Every once in a while we get like a 15 minute window into practice. Yeah. That we can all kind of go into. We don't get that this year. Uh, it just feels a lot different. I mean, we haven't talked to a player, any player, in, what, two months, two and a half months? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, they they have been really, really, uh, I think, even extra quiet this year compared to the rest of the Big Ten, as far as I can see the Big Ten. I've been seeing Northwestern having media availabilities every day, and Purdue and Penn State and other teams, and I'm just wondering uh, uh, what exactly uh, is going on here in Iowa when they're those guys to talk to the media so far. Yeah, and it feels like this would, if there was ever a season to at least allow – of course, not face-to-face interviews, but a little bit more openness. It would be this one after the summer that Iowa football had. This would be the time, the opportunity to ask the questions that you guys would ask. What has changed? Has this changed? Does it look different? And we're not getting anything. I know you guys have reached out. I, I know the work that you guys do, and it's not like it's because you guys are just sitting on your couch and watching the Twins and Cubs lose baseball games. <laughs> you you want to talk to these guys. Is, is there anything that you can speculate about, Chad? Any reason that you can see why it has been completely blacked out at this point. Well, to your first point, Trent, I mean, uh, the, the idea of, of more transparency than less is obviously a very good one, I think, during mm-hmm. this current climate. However, I do kind of understand um, the urgency that uh, the coaching staff is almost certainly feeling right now, trying to get this team ready for you know a fast-approaching season. And you can, you can kind of see that in the fact that uh, they're cranking out you know, practices, you know, in helmets and on the field all the time. And and I do like that approach uh, as far as just getting on the field as much as possible now in case there is a potential, you know, outbreak, let's say two weeks in, at least you got, you know, 12 to 14 practices in whatever. So I kind of understand the, the, the business mentality of it. Uh, it does seem uh, odd that we have not talked to a single Iowa player since July 16th. I, I can't ever imagine... A stretch, any time in our lives, Mark, uh, covering the Hawkeyes that we've gone two and a half months without talking to a player. I mean, you'd have summer availability. You've had big. You'd have Big Ten media days. You've had regular media day. Uh, Even in the spring, you know, we got players (laughs) once a week. Um, So, Mm -hmm. um, so this is very unusual for us. And uh, you know, and frankly, we haven't talked to uh, Kirk Ferentz. You know, since the one Zoom, he's had one Zoom conference. You know, after they brought football back, we haven't talked to him even since. We've had a schedule, so it's really been quiet. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a complaint on our end, but mm-hmm. we would like to. I've had you know, I have fans asking all kinds of great questions, and I would love to be able to interview a coach and or a player and, and try to provide some of those answers. But uh, that's that's kind of the way it is right now. Mark, uh, a step further, and Chad brought up the date. It was July sixteenth, the last time you heard from the players. Three players at right. that time, and one of them, Jamon Colbert is opting out. He will not be playing this season. He's not leaving the program, but 
He'll be back next season in 2021. A uh, lot of reports, a lot of ideas and theories behind that. You mentioned Jack Campbell, who is fighting for one of those linebacker positions inside. Justin Jacobs, a, a youngster that I know a lot of people are high on. But what have you heard on, on the Colbert front? It's something that had been talked about, I know, for a number of weeks. Uh, what have you been able to unearth? Yeah. Yeah, I really think he just had some concerns about how this all you know, was playing out. Uh, obviously, we know he's a real thoughtful guy. And uh, I, I know he put a lot of thought into it, but uh, I think he made this decision, honestly, pretty early on in the process that he, he was not comfortable playing this fall. And, uh, you know, they for a while, it was like nobody was going to play, so why make an announcement if there's actually no season? And so now the season came back, and obviously he still wasn't feeling it. Um, you know, I, I would love to have an interview with him at some point. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll make him available because uh, he is their most experienced starting linebacker, um, or would be, and, and will be next year probably. So it, it is a pretty big loss, but uh, certainly – respect his decision, his right to make that decision. I mean, I think I'm sure no, it wasn't easy for him to do that. And I, I mean, it's the fact that he's staying in school to get his degree. I mean, I think that speaks well of him. He's still going to stick around here. He's not really necessarily considered an NFL guy. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that he's actually going to finish out his career here. But, um, yeah, it is. There's, you know, there's still a lot of questions out there about why he's doing this, but I'm sure he can speak for himself when that time comes. Chad, anything from you on the Colbert front? Well, yeah, I think Mark's actually said it really well. Um, I think just from a football perspective, you, you look at it, uh, I don't know if maybe you guys don't remember this, but uh, Colbert was actually benched in the Holiday Bowl, uh, pulled, oh, for, no. pulled for Nick Neiman um, about midway through that game after, I think it was late first half, right, Mark, uh, when, when Parker mm-hmm. pulled the plug on him there. And, and so yeah. it became the Neiman and Welch linebacking crew, and all of a sudden Iowa's defense uh, looked a lot better. So I do think um, – you know, I think Neiman's emergence. I don't think I don't think the decision is about playing time at all. But I do think, from a football perspective, you do feel good about Nick Neiman coming back, especially when you see what his what his brother is doing with the Kansas City Chiefs um, and knowing the developmental curve that he had, and that they're just such similar looking guys and play the game in a very very similar way. Um, so, so you get that experience there in a fifth year senior coach's son. And now that now the goal is to kind of pair him with somebody, mm-hmm. and you mentioned you know Campbell, you mentioned Jacobs. I think you could see Seth Benson or even a Barrington Wade possibly, um, you know, making some uh, headway there to to get a starting role. So depth wise, I think I was still going to be okay uh, and at linebacker, um, even with Dylan Doyle going to Baylor. Yeah, I mean, you kind of he was ticketed. To, yeah, he was ticketed to be uh, the middle linebacker for the Hawkeyes. So so they did have a lot to replace here, but but they. You know, with just two starting linebackers, I, I think it can be done. Got some questions I want to get into, uh, more football questions for you guys here in the second segment. But before we get our break, a week ago, Elite Sportsbook over Iowa City, just south there in Riverside. Also, they have a Quad Cities book. They have, as they did a year ago, released uh, every point spread for all eight scheduled games for Iowa this year. This had happened back in the spring. Uh, numbers, some surprising ones, and I think some ones that make a whole lot of sense. Mark, you're not a gambler. I am a degenerate. Chad dabbles from time to time, I've heard. I haven't seen it officially. It's not like I stole his phone and looked what his, what his account looks like or anything like that. But uh, just on the surface, for somebody that's not a gambler, did you even take a peek at those spreads? Does it even pique your interest at all, Mark Emmer? Yeah, I always look at the spread just to see kind of what people think the game is going to be like, who's favored by how much. I mean, I think it's interesting to know that going into a game when you're covered, if it's, if it's considered an upset or not. And, and I think the one that stuck out to me is, you know, early on, I'm not sure why people think that uh, Michigan State is going to play Iowa so much closer over here than Northwestern. <laughs> that's a yeah. big discrepancy, that those threads, and, and I honestly think that's going to go the opposite way. I think Northwestern will play Iowa better than Michigan State will over here. 
I'm right there with you. I think Michigan State's going to be very down. That was one that jumped off mm-hmm. the page. The other one to me, Chad, game one, you go to Purdue, a Purdue team that under Jeff Brom has played Iowa incredibly well. They find something that they like to exploit, and they will continue to go after it time and time and time again. Even if it's a French receiver, as was in Kinnick a couple of years back, they will find something, and they will exploit it time and time out. David Bell had nearly 200 yards receiving last year against Iowa. That was an incredibly banged up and, frankly, bad Purdue team. And they were right there with Iowa there. And the Hawkeyes opened as a 9.5-point favorite. Now, apparently my bet must have moved the line because it's currently 8.5 because I uh, had my proxy over in Iowa City fire that one <laughs> right away for me. Uh, Chad, that one, even more than a touchdown sitting here today at 8.5, that feels like a ton of points for Iowa to have to lay. Yeah, the, there must be. That seems like so obvious, mm-hmm. especially with Rondale Moore opting back right. in. So uh, I, I have been more concerned about this opener than Mark has. Uh, Mark thinks it's a cakewalk, right, buddy? Um, over <laughs> yeah. in West Lafayette, but I, 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 I called it a, more of a toss-up. So, yes, I'm with you on that one, Trent. And and just so our listeners know, the lines on the Northwestern game. I don't know if it's changed, but it's Northwestern plus fourteen and a half. That's yeah, more than two touchdowns. I mean, uh, Pat Fitzgerald yeah. as a double-digit underdog is always a good good wager, anyway, uh, especially against Iowa. You would think, and then um, Michigan State just a four-point underdog the next week. I agree. Those uh, those jump out. Uh, I'm kind of surprised, guys, that Iowa was only a two-point underdog at Minnesota. Really? Are you st- they, they lost a lot on the defensive side. Mark, you, yeah. you've uh, have you taken a preseason look at the Gophers? Today we find out that Bateman is going to get eligibility, back, yeah. the NCAA, and, and just, just what they need him. He is a monster out there at the wide receiver position. My question with the Gophers is more than anything, they're going to score what they're going to be defensively. Yeah, I think that's going to be a real high-scoring game up there. Uh, I wonder, I'll be curious to see what the over-under is, yeah. especially if the weather cooperates. Um, but, yeah, I can see that. I think that's, gonna be, I think that's kind of a toss. I think those teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I personally would pick uh, Iowa to win that game as we're sitting here right now. And that's how I see it, too, until Minnesota can prove it. And we're to the south of them, like our friends south of us to Missouri. you got to show me. And the Gophers still have not shown me that they can beat the Hawks, at least in the, in the Phil Fleck regime. Uh, one other end of the season, Iowa, a home underdog with Wisconsin. Four and a half is the number. Same thing that I just mentioned with Iowa and Minnesota. Here, Iowa and Wisconsin. Until the Hawkeyes can prove it, I'll lay the four and a half with confidence with the Badgers, Chad. Yeah, the the uh, you know the Hawkeyes were up in the last minute two years ago. Uh-huh. The Badgers lost by eleven. Lost somehow. by eleven. Didn't cover. I was in <laughs> Vegas at the time. My wife was not happy with the amount of tickets that were involved there. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, last year was a two point game. So, I mean, one of these years Iowa's got to get over the hump. But you're right, Trent. I mean, they just they just haven't figured it out. So I just we, we talked about this a little bit when the schedule came out. But I just I do hope. I guess for the sheer drama of it that that game means mm-hmm. that it comes down to the Big Ten West title. That would be a lot of fun in Kinnick Stadium. Probably really bad weather <laughs> you know, yes. to uh, power teams, uh, traditionally anyway, uh, uh, slugging it out. So that would be fun. Um, don't know. I, I think I would lean towards you, though, on the four and a half. Yeah. I, I would take Wisconsin. So Iowa's an underdog in three games. They're underdogs by two against Minnesota, by a touchdown at Penn State and the four-and-a-half at Kinnick Stadium against Wisconsin, favorite in the other five games. And that's the over-under pretty much every place that you can find. Iowa, four-and-a-half, five, right in that range. I think it's pretty fair in an eighth game and, and a ninth game, of course, regular season with the crossover they'll play at the end of the season, either in the championship game or against whoever they're matched up with from the East in the ninth game. So before we hit our first break, I, I want to invite you guys into the Connick Casino. Now, this is 
Non-sanctioned. This is not legal, but I'm going to give you each a... When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. $300 to bet because I have looked and I have scoured the internet. I have gone to every Caribbean website I know about to try to find not odds to win the Big Ten because Ohio State's an overwhelming favorite and what fun is that, but to win the divisions. They normally release those. I haven't seen anything in the Big Ten to this point, but I'm going to make up my own lines here. So Wisconsin obviously is the favorite in the Big Ten West, right? They're still the favorite. I'm going to put them at 3-2, to two, plus 150. See, if you bet on that one, your $100 will turn into, well, 250 all told. Next choice, the second choice, I'm going to go with Minnesota, right ahead of Iowa. 3-1 to one for them, plus 300 for the uh, Gophers. Then Iowa right behind them at plus 350. And then you start to get into those longer shots. I put Purdue fourth on my list. I had them at 6-1. to one. I think that's a pretty fair price overall. For the Boilermakers, they had so many injuries a year ago, and I think they're going to bounce back, certainly in a big way there. Your long shot, Illinois, will give me a 50-1 to if you want to throw your 100 bucks in and turn it into that lottery ticket with the Illini. Nebraska, they're behind Purdue. They're in the fifth spot. We'll put them at 10-1. to Mm. And uh, the one remaining team in the Big Ten West, who was I missing? Northwestern. Oh, Northwestern. Eh, Northwestern will make them 20-1 to if you want to try to throw your 100 bucks in on that one. I think they're going to be better. Not good enough, Mark. We're going to start with you. You're not a gambler, but oh. you got a free hundred dollars here. Who are you putting your hundred bucks behind? Boy, I, I don't want to be a homer. I, I think I would take Iowa in that scenario. Just laid out. Or if I'm really feeling like a gambler, I might I might throw hundred on Illinois as those odds. What the heck? Maybe let it get done. It's this free. Year. It's free money. Yeah, <laughs> it's a free roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's a free roll, yeah. and you might be walking away with five grand from the kind of casino. Tip your wages yeah. on the way I'm out, in. Chad. I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, I think I would I would put ten bucks on Northwestern at at uh, twenty to one because that would turn into two hundred, uh, and then with the rest of my ninety, I might put another ten on Purdue. I kind I kind of think that they're a sneaky pick at, at six to one there, Trent. And I got eighty dollars left. I think I go fifty on the Hawkeyes, mm-hmm. and then I maybe put thirty on Wisconsin, and then I'll allow myself to hedge there look at, at the end. Look, look at this. He's hedging bets. He's going all over the place. I said it was. One. I don't know if I go thirty on Wisconsin. Actually, I said you get one one hundred dollar bet. You can't be spreading around over oh, there. I th- yeah, I th- free plays. You can. This isn't Bill Hill. This isn't DraftKings. Yeah, the Cotton Casino <laughs> does not allow these team? exploits. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll say Northwestern. Emmerich, uh, you got a free hotel room. Lysico, you're kicked out. <laughs> no free stay for Chad here at the Cotton Casino. I'm there for the free drinks. <laughs> yes, yeah, we got plenty of those. We'll take a break. Come back with more Hawk Central, more football talk on the other side. Also, some basketball chat had an opportunity last week to talk to Jordan Bohannon. What's J-Bo got to say about this upcoming basketball season? That's next on Hawk Central, 1460 KXNO at 106.3 FM. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central on KXNO. Trent Condon joined here tonight by Mark Emmerich of the Des Moines Register and Chad Leistico as we go around the world of Hawkeye athletics. A lot of football there in the opening segment. I did want to pick your guys' brain on one more football note. And you mentioned Chad Dane Belton a little bit early on. We saw him play so well at the cash cash position. Uh, I saw Scott Dockerman over at The Athletic. He took his projected two-deep stab, as I'm sure all you beat guys are going to do the same before we get to the season and before those first two deeps came out. He had Belton listed, though, at the free safety position. So, 
flexibility with this defensive backfield. We, we've seen a lot there. Start with Belton. Uh, you could see the emergence of him and the continued growth last year during his freshman campaign. When you look at him, flexibility, Just do you think that the cash position is perfect for him, or do you like the idea of moving him back and putting him at a safety position? Yeah, that, that's uh, that's a absolutely great question that we want to wrap our heads around because we need to know what Kayvon Merriweather brings to the table. That's honestly what I would need to know before before definitively answering that. So we don't know that. Uh, we know uh, that Phil Parker's always been high on Kayvon Merriweather. He started last season in the first game and then uh, did not start after that, right, Mark? Um, and then I ended up redshirting and he only played two games. So, um, yeah, he got hurt. Got hurt, um, but obviously Jack Kerner um, ended up taking well. taking that spot yeah. and playing well. Uh, based on the practice photos from Mr. <laughs> Brian Ray, uh, you know Jack is out there on the field and and, and not in a red jersey or anything That's like that. Nice. So, um, so yeah, that Iowa feels a little bit better there. Um, but you mentioned um, the ideal scenario. I think is uh, Belton probably at the cash if if Merriweather is the real deal mm-hmm. and you got Kerner back there, then then you can put. Uh, they can be pretty deep at corner with Hankins, Moss, and Brents. And uh, frankly, uh, if you remember that game uh, two years ago in, in West Lafayette, um, guys, uh, Monty Hooker out of the cash position actually played really well against Rondell Moore. Um, mm-hmm. And so you almost kind of need your maybe one of your best players, if not your best player, in that spot right. for that Purdue yeah. game. Uh, I don't know if you want to test out a new cash there on mm-hmm. Rondell, Mr. Rondell Moore. Yeah. Um, now I had I had initially thought maybe you could see a Riley Moss at, at the cash, but but I don't know. Phil Parker to me seems like he's uh, he's willing to roll the dice, but I don't know if he's willing to take a lot of new chances uh, going into a, a Jeff Brom game. So that was my long answer of saying that uh, kind of depends on Merriweather. Honestly. Yeah, comes down to him. Another uh, question at the safety position for you, Mark, and that's about what we know about Jack Kerner, of course, involved in that boating accident over the summer. What do you know about the former Dowling Catholic Maroon and his way back on the road to recovery? Yeah, it sounds like he's uh, made good progress. He's on the field practicing. And uh, I think I mentioned this on a previous show that, um, you know, in a, in a strange way, nobody wanted this to happen. But the, the delay in the season certainly probably helped him, uh, you know, in his recovery. So I, I, as far as I know, he is back to 100%, and they expect him to play. So um, that's, that's really good news, as Chad mentioned, for, for the young man especially, but for the team as well. All right, a punning question for you, Mark. Is it Tory Taylor's job to lose the young Australian who has never punted in a football game before? It is. Yeah, he's uh, he's the real deal. I've been scouting him actually surreptitiously nice. um, <laughs> uh, over there. I, I, I I've got him in. I, I don't really want to talk about it too much, but I've been just monitoring the punters only. I don't want to watch the rest of practice because who cares? <laughs> and uh, he is uh, he's the real deal. He's uh, he's, he's Michael Sleep Dalton times two. And uh, I think he might actually win the Ray guy. Whoa. Well, not, not putting any pressure on the young How many man. times? <laughs> yeah. Is, are, are we talking about, is this a Rick Meyer, Bino Cook kind of call here? Three Heismans? Three Ray guy awards? Three times, yes. Three, three. Ray guys and then on to the NFL. There it is. Need there, there it <laughs> is. <laughs> Vikings need a lot. There's no doubt about that. Bears, well, they're 3-0. and uh, They still, still need some help, too. You, you confident about our Bears? I am. I actually think that I actually Look think at Mr. Optimistic over no, there. No, I think they've played uh three off they've teams. Pl- they've played better than their rallies indicate, in my opinion. They've they've lacked that killer instinct in the red zone now. Hopefully they have it with Nick Foles. Um I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I like the Bears uh 
to go four and zero this week against the Colts. We need to talk to Joel and Scott and everybody see if we can get a little bear talk. Uh, probably put us on like a midnight on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll do it. But, but yeah, I, I'd be with you. <laughs> and uh, we'll leave your Vikings to the side, Mark. Let's uh, let's get into some basketball and start with you, Chad. You had a chance to talk with Jaybo Jordan Bohannon last week. A guy that is a little bit different than I guess your run of the mill everyday D one college athlete. He's very outspoken. He has a lot to say. And as they ramp up and, and hope to get ready for the season, just your takeaway in your conversation with him. Yeah, you made a great point there. I mean, he definitely is. I think he likes to kind of antagonize a little bit, uh, stir things up a little bit. Um, and he's usually pretty well prepared for, for those interview situations where he can make uh, a little bit of <laughs> uh, news, I guess, so to speak. I mean, you can go down the line of everything he's done between the shoes, the NCAA rug, the free throw streak. I mean, it seems like he's always you know, kind of got something, some little wrinkle. And so, uh, so that part of the conversation was not a surprise, but it was enjoyable regarding the NCAA. But honestly, the, the thing that stood out the most was just, uh, how bad he got the coronavirus. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, uh, he by far got the worst case on the team. Um, he, he said he didn't know why that happened. I mean, the other guys, I don't think really got a bad. Um, but, uh, but he said it was, uh, living hell for about 10 or 11 days. Um, so that, uh, yeah, that makes it more real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you hear about a you know twenty two, twenty three year old young man um, getting hit really hard by that, and uh, but he uh, he you know he he said he feels a lot better now, um, obviously, and uh, I don't know, just uh, it, w- it was a little bit, uh, I guess, just a reality check there that uh, that this is something that not only has happened to him but has been running through the team, and so uh, I guess you're glad that they're past that, but you feel bad that they went through that too. Mark, uh, one of the things that, that I looked at, uh, speaking of what we talked about in segment one, and that was still, still pictures, is watching still pictures from Iowa basketball and seeing them play five-on-five, five and they're all doing it wearing masks. I think it shows you, yeah. A, this is something that has hit the basketball program hard throughout the summer, but secondly, Fray McCaffrey and this, and this group of players, they're also taking this seriously out there. They're playing five-on-five five and doing it with masks. Yeah, that that can't be easy, and uh, I mean, it makes sense. I'm sure that they've all been. Uh, if they weren't aware before, they've had heightened awareness now because I it didn't. Jordan confirm that there were seven players that got it, Chet. Yes, and, and just yeah, in that and one we were, stretch, we knew of three. Just in that yeah, one stretch, yeah. yeah. So that's half your team, um, and uh, obviously the coaches are susceptible too. So I mean, uh, they have to be really cautious out there, um, and I, so I think that I'm glad to see that. Obviously, they're trying to get a season in, but um, I really wonder what Jordan's opinion was of the COVID-19 pandemic going into this and what it is now, because it certainly seems like he's, uh, he's almost skeptical about having a season, right, Chad? Yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, he did say that he was kind of a uh, coronavirus skeptic. He thought, you know, if he ever got it, mm-hmm. he'd be fine. And uh, <laughs> his yeah. mind was changed on that. But, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, that jumped out. I was, I was curious what, what jumped out to you guys about that article. And, and yeah, that he is not, Real confident that the NCAA powers that be and whatnot have much of a plan. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that was uh, interesting because I feel more optimistic about that. But uh, you know, he's uh, you know got a long history of skepticism with the other Mark Emmert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You called him out. I, I saw that right away, and I, I had to double check and make sure. It was the NCAA president, not you, Mark, that he was calling out uh, as he was talking. And Eddie has been very upfront about that. Speaking of that and the possibility of a season, what a season's going to look at, 
Um, I was talking to Rob Doster, who long time with NBCSports.com, now a free agent and has a great newsletter for your college basketball fan. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had an article about Iowa talking about their defensive issues and just how big of a problem that would be for a team to make a run to the Final Four. But also talking to him a little bit about the way scheduling's going. And we're getting back a little bit to the power structure. All right, we're seeing a lot of these exempt events start to go away. I saw Northern Iowa's that they were scheduled to play in with Kansas State, a bunch of other programs that were there. That's been taken off the board. As we hear more and more about these things, with the four non-conference games at minimum that everybody has been asked to play, looks like a lot of the power structure mark is just going to say, you know what, we'll play some cheap buy games, and we'll call it good in our four-game conference schedule. Let's hope that's not the case, but it sounds like at least the power structure right now back to flexing their muscle again. Yeah, which I thought always thought would happen. I think that's been uh, their desire ever since uh, the tournament was canceled last year is to preserve those conference games, yeah. and I really understand why, because uh, they're the ones that can probably afford to do daily testing, like which Iowa can do here. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Barta has said that they'll have daily testing for all their athletes, not just their football players, when the season starts for those teams. So, um, you know, the, if the Big Ten, you know, Big 12 and so on can, can do that and the other schools can't, uh, that's too bad. But uh, you know, what can you do? If you want to get a season in, that's what, that's what it may take to do that. So, um, I mean, I actually thought there was a time when we see no non-conference games, and I really wouldn't have cared this year. <laughs> I honestly, you know, I mean, if you just play 20 or 22 Big Ten games, you know every one of them is going to be really competitive. It's a great league, and that's what it takes to get a season in. I mean, I understand why. It's almost like uh, Chad pointed out in the football season when they, when they kind of started to try to overreach for what they wanted to accomplish and yeah. try to play 12-game season. They try to start September 5th, and he said, that, well, what a mistake that was. Now I feel like basketball, have they not learned that lesson? Like, just settle for what is possible. Right. And who cares if you go to Cancun this year? Like, who cares at all? It makes no difference. You know, I understand why some of the mid-major teams might want these big matchups to kind of pad their resume. But if you're a, if you're a power conference team, just play your power conference games and maybe Iowa plays Iowa State on a bus trip or something and get the season in. I mean, it's, just, uh, it's just silly to have these debates. And, and the more they delay the schedule, the more I think they're having problems behind the scenes figuring all this stuff out. No, the the Iowa State game obviously is an important one after we didn't get the Seahawks game in football. The ACC Big Ten Challenge from everything I've heard, that is still on. So if you're talking about playing at minimum 20, maybe 22 conference games, you're not going to go out and already have those two games if you're Iowa on your schedule and then say, oh, and by the way, we're also going to add a game against Creighton. We're going to add a game against a date, and we're going to add a game against somebody else from the ACC. You're not going to do that. You're not going to schedule that way. So more than likely, it kind of makes sense. And actually, if there ever was a year for Iowa to pad their resume with a lot of the cupcakes that they like to put on there, this would be the year, especially if that conference number goes from 20, say, up to 22. Any possibility of that, Chad? Of which? Uh, Of them going up to more conference games, 22, even 24, something in that range? Well, I know the 26 was up for discussion. It looked like uh, Jeff Goodman had reported they're leaning, the Big Ten coaches are leaning towards the 20 mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so that makes sense. And I'm with, yeah. uh, I'm with Mark uh, on all this stuff. I mean, if if uh, you just, just take what you can get and you got to salvage the, the NCAA tournament, right? I don't know. I don't even know if you really want to try to do a Big Ten tournament this year. I don't know if that Does it make makes sense? sense. Yeah. How about this? Let's uh, let's go old school here. I, okay. Let's play double elimination bracket. And oh, yeah. if you're going to actually do this, and you're going to bring these teams in, it's in Indianapolis, Chicago, wherever you're putting it, all right, you're going to bring these guys in early to test. And that's going to happen. And if you're going to do that, and then, all right, sorry, you got beat in the first round, you're, you're done. 
No, play this thing all the way through, and you're adding content. You're adding something for the TV partners. That's what they want. And instead of a five-day event, this turns into a 10-, 12-day event. You can get a lot more games in. Maybe you tell your teams, don't play in these exempt tournaments, and we'll use this as our exempt tournament. And that's the way you do it. You Maybe you would have to drop down your schedule, say, down to 18. But regardless, you get more games in. You can do it, not a bubble format, but at least everybody in the same location. Mark, am I onto something here? Am I, am I spitballing? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think it's going to take creativity like that. That's a great idea. I've, I've heard a lot of really creative ideas, uh, and, and none of them have actually been formalized yet, but <laughs> right. I mean, that's what it's going to take. I, I agree with you. I, I, I would definitely love to see that. Well, and that's what Bohannon was saying in our conversation, and honestly, I don't remember what all I put in the article, <laughs> but <laughs> but we, we talked for a long time about that, and, and he's just like, they don't, you know, they've, They've set a date, but you actually have to have a plan. You actually have to have games scheduled. You have to have a schedule. Like, we need a schedule. We're waiting and waiting and waiting and wondering what we're, you know, going through all this for. I mean, they are going through a lot of different challenges just to try to play. Uh, Garza came back with the hopes of a season, of a promise of a season almost, uh, you know. And so, yeah, there I can see the frustration of not having a schedule. And let's, I mean, it, what Bohannon said was once the NBA playoff showed that they could happen, the college basketball powers that be should have had a plan ready to go or close to ready to go. But but obviously they're still not there yet. So I can understand the frustration. I I would like to see a schedule soon. Yeah, and, I mean, and it feels like they have to. I mean, yeah, it's October. Yeah, right. We flip the calendar yeah. tomorrow to October. Yeah. We need to have something here to to have a plan and what this is going to look like. And it continues to feel like though. You do have somebody at the top with Gavitt who at least is a voice. He doesn't have control as a real president would have college basketball, but at least there's somebody there with a voice. Now we need to take that next step, and we have to get people together, and, and it needs to be the Calipari's, the Krzyzewski's, those people of the world saying, let's remember, there's 351 programs out there. It's not just about us. And if it's just about the power structure, then say that right now so everybody else can yeah. figure out what they're going to do. But this limbo that everybody is in, just leads to a lot of frustration. And with that, a lot of speculation. We're talking about double elimination Big Ten tournaments yeah. <laughs> here on Hawk Central. <laughs> we'll take a quick time out, finish things up on the other side as we take you up until 7 o'clock. Hawk Central, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Back with you one final time on Hawk Central, KXNO, 1460 AM. 106.3 FM, Trey Condon in for Ross Peterson, Chad and Mark with us as always. And Mark, uh, kick things off here as we end the program today with uh, a conversation on the minor sports. Of course, four sports were cut uh, from the university athletic department. There's been a lot of conversation, a lot of consternation on the side of those programs about that. What's the latest that you have for us? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I think since we spoke last week on this program, there, there's been a lawsuit filed against the university, a Title IX lawsuit by former human swimmers on the team currently. So they, uh, that's going to find its way into court here at some point, uh, maybe even this week or maybe next. But today uh, I was talking, there's a group out there called Stave Iowa Sports. It's uh, about 500 alumni. Most of them are former athletes in the sports that are getting cut, so that's why they're concerned. Some of them are parents of current athletes in those sports, and uh, they put up a, uh, a petition on stateofiowasports.com. People could sign to uh, restore the four sports and also don't, don't, uh, pledge a donation. Like if, uh, if, if it will take to bring these sports back, if we can raise enough money, you know, 
uh, they've been told by, by Bruce Harold and Gary Barta, yeah, if you raise the money, then we'll have another conversation. But until you raise all that money, we don't want to, like, you know, go halfway. We've we got to see all the money up front. So they uh, they sent uh, Bruce Harold a letter about a week ago, and it was uh, pretty strongly worded. I thought they were uh, they were not happy with him at all, uh, his leadership, and uh, basically said, we want to meet with you by... Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts. By last Wednesday, he said, no, there's really no point in meeting unless you can show me that you've had, you know, all this money raised. He wouldn't say exactly how much money they need to raise, but uh, Gary Barta indicated they might be up as much as $20 million. Uh, just to ensure this, the future of these sports, they've had $2.7 million as of yesterday afternoon. In eight days, they raised that much. But the bigger issue is uh, I talked to um, Ron Kaminsky, who was a former swimmer here and now an engineer, owns his own company in Chicago, and they have put together a plan that they want to present to the Bruce Harold or Gary Barta or anybody you know, on their staff that they designate that says uh, we have a way to, to stay at these sports uh, forever at the University of Iowa Olympic sports and it could be a model that other colleges across the country could use. We just saw other other colleges have cut some of their Olympic sports as well. So uh, so far they have not agreed to that meeting but uh, Bruce Harold in his response did indicate that he would be willing to talk at some point and um, they're hopeful that uh, either he or you know one of his uh, you know, lieutenants there will we'll meet with them and kind of lay out this plan to basically say we're going to take these sports outside of the athletic department, make them all kind of their own little sustainable business because they, they believe all these sports are pretty pretty minuscule in terms of the money it would take to, to keep these things going. Um, they don't believe the $5 million figure that uh, Gary Varda keeps touting. So um, they they, uh, they put a lot of brain power into this and they want to see it happen. So um, we'll see now what the university response is to that. It seems like uh, they should at least listen because uh, if this thing works, these these things would all be self-sustainable. They're not going to cost the university any money in, in this plan. So uh, it's interesting. That's certainly an interesting concept, and we'll see if it has any legs. So the first thing that jumped into my head when I hear about this, Mark, is would they be eligible to play in the NCAA tournaments? Would they be able to you know, swim in the NCAA championships? Is this something, if you're taken away from an athletic department, you're run like a small business, are you part of the NCAA structure anymore? Yeah, that's that's their that's their their hope. Yeah, they they believe that that, that is true that that could happen. In fact, um, if this happens, it might it might happen at every university that has these yeah. minor sports. Because all they're talking about is instead of reporting to Gary Barta and let, let him worry about football and basketball and the big the big money sports, these things are just so out of place in, in that department. They believe with the money we're talking about that put them into the recreational services department, which is where the, which is actually where the swimming facility is. That's, that's who runs the swimming facility yeah. is the recreational services here and uh, just make it a little separate department, um, you know, much smaller, uh, let them, you know, have, they can have their own fundraisers when, when they, when they see needs, they can raise money for themselves. And they think some enough alumni out there would support that because uh, he's been hearing from a lot of them. He said that they currently don't donate, donate to the school, but would if they knew their sport was in jeopardy, like he said, a lot of alumni had no idea this was an issue. They, 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 they would see hockey games and put on TV and think, wow, they've they got a lot of money there. There's no problem. Suddenly so they, they cut four sports, and all these lot of alumni out there all over the country realizing, hey, there is a problem here, and, and I've, I've got a chance to maybe, to maybe do something about it. So that's, again, that's their idea. I'm not saying that it's perfect. Even Ron Kaminsky is saying they've got to work out some, some of the kinks that they, they need to talk to some more people. But 
Um, if they can pull that off, and if that becomes a model for other you know major universities to do kind of the same thing, um, the, the facilities are already here. That's what he said. The facilities are here. Um, you know, the, the athletes want to be here. If you can find a way to make this work financially for your university, well, why wouldn't you listen? Hmm. It's quite the idea, Chad. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the thing that that jumps out to me again, and, and we've addressed this a little bit in some some other financial articles, but I mean, just the the accounting that goes on, um, you know, the the thirteen or fourteen million dollar you know check that uh, comes from athletics to the university in terms of of scholarship aid, uh, you know, it's 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 just a, it's just kind of moving one money you know one, money from one department to another within the same um, overall structure. I mean, uh, like like I wrote in my tennis article a couple of weeks ago. I mean, these guys are paying a lot more to the university in tuition than they're getting in scholarship money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, are they, so is that really a net deficit when, when you look at, yeah. at at those expenses and, and just from like a tennis perspective, just thinking about it, I mean, you know, if you could, if you could rent out that facility, you know, to the general public, you know, eight months out of the year or whatever, I bet you could, I mean, there, there's, there's some uh, money-making opportunities there mm-hmm. to, to sustain a program that, that costs $500,000, maybe 800,000 yeah. at, at most. Um, so, I don't know. I think uh, uh, I do think it's an interesting concept. I mean, just think if uh, you know, let's say Barda was left with football, men's basketball, and the biggest deficit-producing sport, women's basketball. You'd yeah. think that he would keep that. I mean, that's that seems. I mean, he would be on a much. I mean, football would all of a sudden have a lot more money, right? <laughs> and a lot more money that goes into it. Same for basketball. Same for women's, and even wrestling. If you throw them into the group, because though it's not money making, it's at least a revenue-producing sport overall. Mm-hmm. They don't end up in the, in the – they're still in the red at yeah. the end of the season, but that's a big one, too. Hey, it's an interesting thought and out-of-box thinking. This is the time for it. We're doing it here on yeah, the program. Right. I like it. Good work out of you, Mark. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that was uh, – that was yeah, I, I, I like this kind of thinking, and, and here we are. Well, guys, we are unfortunately out of time this week, but thanks for having me in again. It's always fun. We love having you, man. Yeah. You can pinch it anytime. Yeah. Go yeah. to Condon Casino Odds. <laughs> yes, yes, and always welcome. Oh, yeah. you're gonna you never said how you're gonna bet, Trent. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, so so I get a free bet at my own casino. Well, yeah. All right, I'm going Purdue at six to one. I'm, okay. I'm throwing that hundred bucks on there. You guys know how bad defensively they were last year. They were just decimated. I like the front. I like Bentley in the middle. I, I think they have some pieces there. They'll find a quarterback. Jeff Brom always does. It's going to be a good team. Yeah, receivers. It's going to have to be a year, though, I think, if Purdue would be ultimately the team that gets there. They're not going to get there on their own going 7-1. and one. It's going to be one of those goofy three teams at 5-3, yeah. and three and they have the tiebreaker type of seasons. That's probably the way. Yep. And if we're going to do that at 6-1, to one, that's what I'll throw out there. I'll take the Boilermakers. Yeah, and they got the easiest crossover schedule in yeah. the West. And that helps because it's not just about the division games. It is your overall record. Guys, we are out of time. Mark, Chad, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. That's Hawk Central here. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.